1: Good morning, it's Tuesday and it is the second day of the week. I'm your host, Lance Roberts, for The Real Investment Show. Yes, I'm sorry we were off yesterday. Uh, just want to give you the exact definition for job security. Brent had to be out yesterday to take care of his lovely wife. I can't do a show without him, so, you know, that's what you call job security, right there. So, <laughs> he's going to be like a weekend at Bernie's. If he ever dies, I'm just going to have to prop him up in a studio so that we can do a show for you in the morning, so... <laughs> anyway, um, here it is, uh, second day of the week. Markets yesterday opened up fairly strongly and, and looked like out of the gate we we're going to have some good follow through from Friday's nice rally. You know, I remember on Friday, markets were up a little over 2% because of the whole you know, weaker wage growth that was in the jobs report. Jobs report was strong. But wage growth was a little bit weaker, right? So it wasn't growing as fast. And, of course, that got all the pivot bulls very excited. On Friday, markets had a nice jump right up into this cluster of resistance. We've been talking about this for the last few days. A lot of resistance right here where markets are trading. The 50-day, the 20-day, 100-day all intersecting with each other. Market ran right into the 50-day yesterday. Uh, fell off of that after we had that nice open rally market sold off all day yesterday actually finished today very slightly negative but negative nonetheless Um, this morning futures pointing down a little bit more because we have jerome powell speaking this afternoon now the big question of course is that will jerome powell play smackdown on the markets again, because that's what he has been famous for doing here as of late. Of course, you remember uh, back in early December, markets were kind of rallying fairly nicely, holding up here right around the 200-day moving average, actually broke it above the 200-day, everybody got all excited there real quick. And then Jerome Powell came out and said, hey, stop that, because every time you rally the market, that eases financial conditions, and their FOMC minutes, which is what led to this big sell-off in the market, said, market rallies are easing financial conditions that's not what we want stop that and of course that's what led to the sell-off in mid-december and led to this kind of basing period that we saw at the end of the month now uh, again markets did rally here on the first five days of january so so goes uh, the first five days of january so goes the month theoretically that's what the old saying goes of course we're all going to be watching the super bowl indicator next um (laughs) because those all pretend to what happens for the rest of the year and of course everybody's hoping right now that we're ultimately going to have a much better uh cycle for markets this year uh than we had last year of course last year markets were down about 20 percent uh nominal basis total return basis down uh 18.1 percent last year so again markets were down decently last year but you know everybody's all kind of getting been out of shape about the first down year we've had in basically about 11 years of any consequence uh you know markets had a very very strong run uh from 2009 to all the way through 2021 so having a down year you know everybody's all all in a can tank about you know this whole you know down year in the markets. like oh my gosh the world's coming in you had 12 years of a market advance people so you know having a down year not surprising every now and then. And again, we go back and we take a look at, you know, really what's happening with markets, not a lot. I mean, you take a look at a very long-term trend of the markets and and it's been ever since really 2008, when we get back to the financial crisis, which was now just this little bitty blip over here. Here was your financial crisis. I mean, barely even shows up on a chart now uh, because of this massive run in the markets that we've had since then and importantly this bullish trend of the market has not been broken so yeah you know last year really kind of sucked and there's no way around it you know markets were down stocks were down bonds were down everything was down last year but again nothing outside the realm of just a normal correction within a market that had a very sharp linear advance because of all that fiscal stimulus that we put in the market. So $5 trillion worth of liquidity. Think about that for a moment. And and, and this whole advance here, I want you to to contemplate this for just a second. This whole advance here was driven by $44 trillion worth of fiscal liquidity and monetary liquidity put into the markets and the economy by both the governments and the Federal Reserve. That's HAMP, HARP, TARP, QE. QT, you name it, all the different programs that we've been injecting into the financial markets for the last 12 years, $44 trillion, that's almost as much as the entire world economy all put together, was all injected into the U.S. economy. Not surprisingly here that you're going to get this run in assets. And then when you throw $5 trillion worth of money into fiscal fiscal stimulus into household bank accounts, not surprising that you get this massive surge off to the moon. So a correction of that process as that money comes out of the system should not be surprising. But it's not the end of the world, right? It's, you know, the, the world's not going to end. The dollar's not going to go away you know it just all these kind of end of the world doom and gloom predictions not going to happen it's just simply a function of a reversal of liquidity could markets go lower yes you know to come down and, and retest kind of this upper trend line would certainly not be surprising at all this year again particularly as the fed continues to hike rates as they continue to put pressure on the economy that's why they're hiking rates if you take a look at what happened with credit card debt, yesterday we had the credit card debt numbers come out, huge surge in credit card debt. <clears throat> Not surprising. Individuals that all that money they had in their bank accounts from those checks, those $1400 checks, it's gone. Inflation's up, things cost more. Well, if I my job's only paying me so much so in order to buy stuff that I need like food and gas and those type of things and paying bills, I don't have enough cash for it. I've got to put it on credit cards. A lot of people right now and this is what coming out of the credit card surveys are spending a lot of credit card debt on basically living needs now they're not they're not going out and using their credit to go buy a new television or uh you know take a trip they're buying groceries on credit and of course they're paying a huge amount of interest for buying groceries on their credit cards so you know those those that's that's eating into this we've had this huge surge we've had a record surge in the amount of credit card debt and credit card interest rates are at the highest level we've seen in decades. So, you know, this is really going to impact the consumers. And not surprisingly, that's going to slow demand. But this is what the Fed wants. This is why the Fed's hiking those short-term rates, which is what affects the variable rate on credit cards, et cetera. That's what the Fed wants. They want tighter financial conditions that weigh on consumer sentiment, right? Because they want people to spend less. That slows the economic demand. That creates if if there's less demand, That means prices have to fall. That's just the way the system works. So again, what the Fed is trying to do is extract that fiscal python or that fiscal pig out of the economic python. And that's what they're working on right now. And again, this is why we've gone through this period of time. That's not the end of the world. It's just the reversal of the process that drove us to this point to begin with. So you know, 2020, 2021, we had this huge surge in the markets. That's all fine and dandy, great, no problem. But the the consequences of that ultimately is that you've got to reverse that policy unless you're going to keep sticking money into the markets. And this this was always the problem, and we'll talk about this after the break, with modern monetary theory because this all kind of ties into our blog post that's out on the website today, which is talking about the actual fiscal pig and the economic Python. It's on the website talking about specifically this. But right now, just pay attention to what the, what Jerome Powell wants. And this is something he'll probably reiterate today and probably will weigh on markets as well. Is that the Fed is going to remain hawkish for now until they start to see a clear trajectory in inflation down to lower levels. And that means that no pivot is coming and that will probably disappoint the bulls. Be right back after the break. Don't go away.
0: Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Are you as worried about estate taxes as we are? Our first Lunch and Learn of the New Year will focus on family-limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Dora Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family-limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Advice. Com.
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Saint Roberts, Greg Clanton, joining me as well, of course. And uh, a few things to get into this morning. Uh, we have a new article out on our website this morning, and it's talking about uh, this whole idea of the of this fiscal pig and the economic python and the the point of the article is discussing this five trillion dollars worth of liquidity that was injected into the markets and and again you know while there's a lot of hope here that markets can continue to rally one thing you've got to think about is just the reversal of what god is here right and and this thing and this is the one thing i just kind of continue to think about a lot and 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 again as as you know, we we talk about here, you know, is there a possibility that the economy can avoid a recession this year and earnings may be coming in come in better than expected, right? They're not as weak as expected. I mean, sure, those, those are all possibilities. And I think you have to give some credence to that. There's, you know, you know, there's a lot of, of very bearish comment out there that's that's simply, you know, the market's gonna go down and we're gonna have another another negative year. And that's certainly, you know, I, I can make a very strong case for that, right? The Fed's hiking rates, Fed hikes rates, they always cause a recession, etc. so forth and so on. You know, but I think we have to also think about the other side of that coin as well when everybody assumes something right you have to make room that everybody is potentially wrong right if because that's the way markets work what markets are looking for are these kind of displaced opportunities so if everybody is short the market right then that provides a lot of fuel for a counter trend rally of magnitude and that's why markets tend to do the opposite of what everybody thinks, and there's there's a lot. This is why contrarian investing works over time, is because when everybody's on one side of the boat, typically whatever's happening, you know, or what will will come is on the other side. And and you know, this a good example of this was everybody hated energy in 2021. And nobody wanted to own energy stocks. it's not it's not clean energy and oil prices were low and blah blah blah, right. everybody nobody wanted them and And we were talking about, you know, energy stocks would be a good place to be because everybody hates them, and they turned out to be a good place to be. You know, and the question, of course, now is is as we move into the new year, where do you want to be? And right now, everybody wants to be. Out of the market. I don't. I don't want to be invested. I don't want to own stocks. You know, I want to own you know gold and other stuff, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's not the right place to be. I'm just throwing out this idea that if everybody thinks that, what is the counter trend trade? What is the contrarian place to be? And you know, so so there's certainly a lot of of comments out there right now about how bad things are going to be. But there is a possibility that, that they're wrong. So what what would what would that be, right? That would be an economy avoiding recession, that would be earnings not coming in as bad as expected. And that's an argument that is very tough to make uh, data wise. And and part of the discussion that we're having today in the and the blog post is talking about this five trillion dollars worth of liquidity that we shoved into the system. That's now working its way out of it, and there's no more coming, you know. And it was interesting because if you if yet if you didn't pay attention to this whole McCarthy issue that was going on, and and so they were trying to elect the speaker of the house, and it went through 15 votes in order to finally get Kevin McCarthy elected speaker. Of the house, and 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 without that, you know, like, well, what's important? Well, without that, you can't do anything. Without a speaker, you can't pass any legislation. You can't have any appointments to committees. Nothing, right? That all goes through the speaker. So you have to have a speaker. I mean, everything's dead until you elect a speaker. And so for 15 rounds, we go through this whole drama, and you know, you're sitting back, going, "What is going on here? Right? What is happening?" Well, turns out that there were a group of Republicans that were actually working in your interest, and they did a very good job. And what they did was, is they, in order for Kevin McCarthy to get their vote, they had to reverse all the rules of how the House works back to before pre-Obama. After Obama got elected and Nancy Pelosi they changed all the rules to make things much easier to pass these kind of omnibus spending bills, right? These $1.7 trillion monstrosities that, that create these funding issues. And that also is, is part of this process because now what these rules state is, is that, you know, every bill has to be, be a singular bill, right? If you want to pass money for funding, you know, a, a particular economic project, that's it, right? you got to have a bill for that. You can't have that bill and then 4,000 other pieces of, of funding shoved into that bill at the same time, right? So it's just getting Congress back to working the way it's supposed to work from a fiscal standpoint. So it just really returns a lot of the, the congressional rules back to the way they were supposed to be and the way they were intended with the founding fathers. So it's actually a very good thing that, that occurred. Here's the bad thing. You're not going to get any more of those $1.7 trillion spending bills. One of the things that they passed, and one of the things we've, we've talked about here on, on the show quite a few times, we haven't had a budget since 2008. 2008 was the last budget we had, and this is part of that rule change, right, where we started just doing these continuing resolutions. Over, you know, every time we got to a debt ceiling, we just passed a continuing resolution that automatically increased spending for the government by 8% and blah, blah, blah. Keep kept running up our debt, right? $31 trillion can't do that anymore. Part of the agreement for Kevin McCarthy was to go back to a budget process. Amazing. What that means, though, is is you're not going to get checks to households. You're not going to get another $1.7 trillion worth of funding. Right? It's just that's not going to happen. So all this kind of runaway spending is going to be put under tap here for a bit, which means that all that liquidity that was injected into the economy is now going to come out at a time where the Fed is hiking interest rates and doing quantitative tightening. This is gonna be more problematic in terms of generating earnings growth, considering that earnings growth have to come from economic growth. And so all of this, this lack of liquidity, this lack of of capital in the markets, this, this retraction, Combined with higher interest rates, that's going to slow economic activity. And it's going to slow demand. And, and, and as you have slower demand, that's where earnings come from. So there, there's going to be a risk here, and I think a, a viable risk, that earnings come in weaker than expected over the course of this year. And, and look, expectations are coming down. Earnings are coming down. They haven't come down enough yet. We've talked about this on the, on the show quite a few times. But earnings have to fall because the economy is going to fall. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be in a deep dark recession, and you need to be in you know a bunker with beanie weenies and ammo. I'm not saying that, but you know, avoiding a recession is going to be a challenge. Can it be done? Sure. I'm not sure how it's done, <laughs> but it's possible we could avoid a recession. Look, nominal growth is still. You know, on the economy is still fairly high. So you've got to cut a very, a bunch of economic growth because of the nominal increase that we had in economic growth in 2020 and 2021. You had this huge surge in economic growth because of all that stimulus, right? All that's got to come back out again. So you've got a long ways to fall on a nominal GDP basis just to get to a recession. And then, of course, the question will be at what point does you know, things start to kind of stabilize. We get back to some level of normal. This this is going to be the the real challenge this year. So I think you have to build in the case for both models. You've, you've got to build in a case for, again, it's it's a very easy case to make that you're going to have a recession, right? And you're going, well, Lance, it might be in stocks, right? Because we're going to have a recession. Problem is, is everybody thinks that. And there is this contingent of the market that still is, is bent over backwards trying to hope for, oh, the Fed's going to give up any moment now and start pivoting and putting capital back into the markets and markets are going to run off and I don't want to miss the bottom. People are piling into the most risky assets again, emerging markets, international markets. Those, you know, emerging markets in particular, they've been doing well this year so far. Coming right out of the gate, emerging markets are doing well. That's a very risky bet because if we have a recession here, we've talked about this before. Because emerging market economies are exporters, their whole economy is based on exporting goods and products and services to where? The U.S. and other industrialized international countries. So if their entire economy is based on exports, that means they are dependent on what? Demand. If demand in the U.S. falls, in other words, if if we get a cold in the U.S., they get the flu. So you got to be careful chasing emerging markets and international heading into a recession. It's not where you want to be. If we avoid a recession and demand stays high... They're probably going to outperform, so there's your there's your conundrum, right? There, there's your risk. So these are the things that you've got to work through. And again, you know this is, you know, I th- I think there is one very clear, and this is the point of the article today on the website realinvestmentadvice.com, is this whole discussion of monetary flows. This drain of liquidity is extremely important the ramifications of that draining of liquidity is equally important. And I think that's the one thing, I think the one thing you've got to pay attention to this year is where the money flows are going to and where they're not. That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back after the break.
2: our first lunch and learn of the new year will focus on family-limited partnerships. This valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Dora Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family-limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening
0: to The Real Investment Show,
1: and welcome back to the show this morning so a couple of things um you know and and again you know just talking a little bit about you know Liquidity flows and why this is so important. And, and again, you know, the big challenge this year, managing money, is just going to be whether or not we have a recession. Now, it's interesting because I'm actually writing an article about this because there have been theoretically three times that the Fed has engineered a soft landing, right? And so you have to understand what is the definition of a soft landing. Depends on who you ask. Right, But a soft landing is technically the Fed hikes rates and the economy does not fall into a recession. But question is, is that really a soft landing? Let me ask you a question. Driving in your car and you're going down the freeway and another car whips out in front of you and, and – you slam on the brakes, and you don't hit the car in front of you, but you slide into the median on the on the freeway and just completely damage your car, right? Total it. Now, you didn't have an accident with the other car, right? But you totaled your car. So technically, that's a soft landing, right? <laughs> well, the same idea here is that with the Federal Reserve, the idea of a soft landing scenario is, is they hike rates and don't cause a recession. But if you bang up a lot of other stuff in the economy, is that really a soft landing? As an example, 1984, Fed hikes rates. We don't have a recession. They immediately have to start cutting rates. Why? Because we have the savings and loan crisis that was caused by the surge in interest rates breaking the savings and loans. Okay. That's just one example. How about 1994? 1994, the Fed was hiking rates, didn't cause a recession. You caused the bond market to crash, but you didn't have a recession. So technically a soft landing. 2018, the Fed's hiking rates don't have a recession. You have a 20 percent market decline that was immediately followed by a a massive repo bailout of hedge funds that then ultimately led to an economic shutdown a year later where you have this massive 35 percent drop in the markets and a a recession. And, you know, you have to come in and bail everything out with QE and everything else. Technically, a soft landing. Financially, not so much. (laughs) So the question is, you really have to come back and say, you know, what is a soft landing? And a soft landing is, is nebulous, to say the least. But the question is, is can the Federal Reserve engineer the soft landing scenario? Sure, it's possible. Again, as I was saying in the last segment, you know, you, you've got quite a bit of, of headroom with nominal GDP growth that you still got to reverse before you get into recessionary territory. So, you know, you may or may not have a recession, but you could crash the car anyway um in a whole variety of other manners the question ultimately is though is how is that going to translate into the financial markets and how do you navigate that from here that's going to be the the real question and again you know you've, you've got to be somewhat cautious here but there's a lot of opportunity that's beginning to build up in the markets and I don't know where Exactly. That point is going to be that you want to buy some of these really beaten up stocks. But, you know, you've got to start looking at the things that everybody else hates right now. Look, everybody's piling into value stocks, and that's fine. Value stocks worked great last year, but they're so overvalued. You take a look at companies like McDonald's and Coke and Procter & Gamble. These stocks are trading at astronomical valuations relative to their ability to grow earnings. These are massive companies that don't have really strong earnings growth. And they're consumer-driven, which means they are subject to a restriction in consumer spending. So far, consumers have been holding up, right, because they're going into debt to do it. But there's a point to where those consumers are going to contract. But if you take a look at Procter & Gamble, we've talked about this company before. Here's a stock trading with a forward P.E., assuming they can actually hit their numbers, of nearly 25 times earnings. All right, It's got a price-to-sales ratio of almost 5. Now, we've talked about the importance of... two times price to sells or 10 times price to sells in the past. And we talked about Sun Micro um, and the CEO of Sun Micro at the time back in 2000 said, why are you buying my stock at 10 times price to sells? This assumes that I don't pay anything to anybody and I return every single dollar back to shareholders. That's the only way you can justify 10 times price to sells. I don't pay taxes. I don't pay employees. I don't pay vendors. I don't pay anybody, right? It's highly illegal, but. That's the only way I can justify 10 times price to sales. And you got Procter & Gamble trading at five times price to sales right now. That means they have to basically grow earnings at 300% a year to justify keeping their price at five times price to sales. But that's where money flows are going, right? Everybody's chasing those dividend-yielding stocks and paying astronomical valuations for them. You know, we've talked about, and and this is a company that's that's growing sales, but it's not growing sales at 100% a year right Coca-Cola trading at a 6.2 times price to sales McDonald's Mickey D's trading at 6 times price to sales I'm sorry 8 8 times price to sales I mean this is this is tech stock territory all day long And their sales are basically the same as they were five years ago. They haven't grown sales in five years. And you're paying eight times sales that they haven't grown. They've had zero sales growth and you're paying eight times sales for McDonald's. But this is where money flows are going right now, right? Everybody's hiding out here. But this is why you've got to be careful. Disney's gotten beaten up. But they're still trading at a 54 times price-to-earnings ratio on a trailing basis. It's expensive. So this, this, so this is the, the question, right, is, is where do you start looking to invest capital? Because ultimately, fundamentals do matter. The question is, is when do they matter? And unfortunately, we don't know when we're going to get there. But at some point, I suspect that, that we will. But you've got to be careful of some of these stocks that you own and some of the stocks that you're chasing. Nike is a good example. Nike's had a huge run here since October. Still trading at four times price to sales with a Ford PE of 31 times earnings. I mean, that's expensive for a shoemaker that has basically barely grown earnings over the last several years. So, you know, these these are the things that... You know, you've got to come back and reevaluate. And Look, I'm not saying that we're not going to own these companies because they're just expensive because, you know, we want to, you know, we're going to buy stuff where money flow is going to. But I think ultimately you have to come back and look at valuations and say, what am I actually paying for these companies and what am I expected to get out of this? And if we get into a recession, what typically works in a recession is these deep value companies that nobody wants. But as we talked about before, a big problem with the markets today, and I don't have a solution for this, is the whole problem of passive investing. We talked about last year as an example, you had more money flow into passive ETFs than you had since, at any other point since 2008. Massive flows into passive indexed ETFs. And that's because people are just, you know, forget picking stocks. I'm just going to buy the ETF and just trade the whole sector. And look, I get it. That's easy, right? That's easy. That's an easy way to manage a portfolio, and it's cheap, right? ETFs are cheap. Nothing wrong, no, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But as we talked about before, when you have a lot of money going into ETFs, that money flows into the biggest constituents of those ETFs, the ones that make up the biggest holdings. So companies like Procter and Gamble, McDonald's, Coke—these companies, which make up the biggest holdings of these ETFs—and they're in multiple ETFs, by the way. I mean, every value index has that in it. Every momentum index has those in it because they have momentum. Every, you know, growth ETF now has value stocks in it because that's where everybody's wanting performance, right? So everybody buys the same stocks that are going up in their portfolio. Whether no matter what the the ETF says, you're going to find the smattering of these companies in every ETF. And so there's Hundreds of ETFs that own Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, whatever. Hundreds of them. And so every time somebody buys these ETFs, money flow is going into those stocks. And that's why you get these periods where, you know, you have these stocks just trading at massive valuations. And that whole passive indexing problem is what is frustrating fundamental investors because – you know stocks that you may want to own, like a say a Verizon, as an example. Here's a company trading with a six percent dividend yield, has an eight PE, price of sales of one point two. Nobody wants it. <laughs> AT and is another one. Right? Nobody wants it, but I hate AT and T. So company just company just makes me mad. Anyway things to think about you know where is everybody going to now versus where they will probably want to be depending on the outlook for the markets and the economy later this year recessions tend to revert valuations something to think about all right come back wrap up the show don't go away
0: daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com
2: are you as worried about estate taxes as we are our first lunch and learn of the new year will focus on family limited partnerships this valuable tool in the tax code could provide your estate with the safety and security you crave for your family. Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chris Masters, CPA with Dora Mayhew, Thursday, January 12th at noon, with the ins and outs of family limited partnerships for your estate and tax planning. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. Getting ready to wrap things up. Futures pointing about 155 points lower on the Dow, S&P, Nasdaq, also pointing a bit lower this morning. In anticipation of the much vaunted speech for today from Jerome Powell, will he, sm- you know, do another market smackdown? That's going to be the big question, right? Every time Marcus Rally, you know, he comes out and pretty much throws acid on it. So. <laughs> today may very well be another one of those it's like you know at some point you you almost have to figure that the bulls are going to get the message i guess this is the the big battle right who's going to win this debate it's like me telling my kids like no you can't do that but dad no no you can't do that but dad no but you can't do that you know it's you know then they go ask their mother who says yes so you know this is, the, this is the battle right now between the bulls and, and the Fed, and the Fed keeps saying, no, I'm going to keep hiking rates until you get the message to stop running up asset prices, but they haven't got that message yet, so we'll see. Improving fiscal health, saving more money, exercising more, eating healthier, being happy, losing weight, paying down debts, improving mental health, learning something new. Brent, what are those? What do you think?
2: why those are resolutions for 2023 those
1: those are resolutions for 2023 those are the top top resolutions Mm -hmm. for 2023 how many have you broken this year already
2: i didn't make (laughs) it i knew better (laughs) i resolved long ago not to make resolutions (laughs) that's that's typically it's it's the only one i've kept
1: (laughs) (laughs) my resolution i have never broken not making resolutions it's actually not a bad idea uh, it is interesting that if you break it down by category, 65 and older, 18 to 29, uh, the ones that are the closest together, in other words, the the ones that 65 and older make versus 18 and 29, the ones that they most make that are closest together, improving physical health, saving more money, uh, exercising more, and eating healthier. Those are pretty much all clustered together so and not surprising problem is is that right out of the gate we don't spend more money we don't act you know it's it's like you know so you know my wife and I joined Orange Theory um well Mm -hmm. let let me put it this way I work out every day at the gym Brent will tell you that after the show I go down to our gym we have a gym in our building so i go downstairs and I, I work out every day for an hour or so and then I go do whatever else I got to do for the work. And, and so my wife wants to – she finds this thing called Orange Theory Fitness that she wants to go to. And, of course, she's like, honey, will you go do it with me? So now I'm working out twice a day. Um, Why wouldn't
2: she use the, uh, the, the facility in the building since she works here?
1: Because she needs something that's entertaining, ah oh, right yeah. and so this so orange theory fitness is a very rapid moving it's it's actually a great workout yeah, right yeah because it's you've you've got a coach there that's telling you what to do and it's mm-hmm. constantly changing so for somebody with add like my wife you know she needs <laughs> that constant you know change of yeah. things right so yeah. just you know doing you know lifting weights is boring right so she yeah. can't And hey, look i get it right lifting weights is boring that's why most people don't do it
2: well, you know, Rosso did Orange Theory.
1: Yeah, no, he still does. He's,
2: he's lost a ton.
1: Yeah, it looks great. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's a really good workout. But yeah. now, but since she's doing it, guess what? I have to do it with her. So I'm now working out in the morning at the gym, and then I'm going to Orange Theory yeah. at night with her. So it's... <laughs> You're so exhausted. I'm exhausted. She wears me out. <laughs> but the point is, is I, at least so far, I've kept my resolution of exercising more and right. Yeah, eating better. I'm keeping those resolutions. Yeah. Those were easy cuz I was doing those before.
2: <laughs> you sort of already had your bet. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I you know, my resolution this year is to figure out how to do more video and less writing. That's going to be ah. my that's going to be my New Year's resolution. Well,
2: I haven't figured that out yet, but There've been some developments on that front.
1: Well, I know that, but the problem is every time we start doing more video, we get smacked down by Google for something. So
2: <sighs> you people yeah <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say you people being google that's yes. what yeah yes google or facebook they're a nightmare <sighs> anyway it's a meta
1: mess yeah, exactly um anyway a couple of things um and we talked a little bit about this this morning uh on twitter so if you go and follow me on twitter at Lance Roberts is my Twitter handle. Every morning I post out. Just and, and Twitter's fun because I'm like I'm like the worst guy ever on Twitter because I just, I walk in the room and I drop this little bomb and then I walk <laughs> back out. <laughs> and then it's just fun to watch the feeding frenzy. Yes. So I, so like I walked in the room this morning and I walked into the Twitter room this morning and I dropped this bomb. So I, it's a chart of of uh, cryptocurrency which oh, okay. has just been flatlined yeah. for a, you know, a year and a half now, right? Just gone has gone nowhere. And so my my tweet says, "Is it dead yet?" hashtag cryptocurrency, and there's just all these comments now. Just you know, everybody starts fighting over.
2: It's these. this digital ripple effect.
1: It is, and it's just fun to like you know start the argument and then leave and just observe it from. The, I never respond to these people, right? But it's just fun to watch. They get they get all mad. It's like, these people it's fun to get watch. a life. I know they they get so wrapped up into this stuff, and I'm like. You know what I? Oh, I said if you don't like that
2: one, here's another one, yeah. <laughs> just to keep it going, right? <laughs> well, the one about the motorcycles was pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I posted this one yesterday. Um, it shows motor. It shows the uh, the deaths of you know different things, right? Pedestrians, bicycles, cars. Fatalities. 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 Yes. yes, that's what I'm looking for. So it shows fatalities by mode of transportation. Um, and so most every most all the statistics are trending lower with exception of motorcycles which is trending <laughs> higher and so i simply put i, I simply put out it says this i said i've always wanted a motorcycle but my wife won't let me have one because she always uses facts <laughs> and that's another one i put that out there man people just went nuts over that one just <laughs> yeah you have to break it down by age it's all the young people dying on motorcycles etc it's like whatever I'd say, again, I just like dropping the bomb and then leaving the room. That's and what
0: entertainment. Happens. I know.
1: <laughs> that's what Twitter's good for—just getting people riled up.
2: <laughs> and I, I can't take it more than about five minutes. I know. In there, I just, I, please go away. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, again, I don't just—you just can't respond to them. not You, can't, you no. cannot engage. Um, you know, because even if you're using facts, you just oh well, you know, it just people just start yeah. yelling at you on Twitter and. Just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Your facts are wrong. Okay. <laughs> go argue with the CBO, right? <laughs> so, anyway, it's a lot of fun. But anyway, I do post stuff there every morning on Twitter. So if you want to go get yourself riled up, go follow me on Twitter at Lance Roberts. It's always some fun. And just know that half the stuff I post there is between half of it's financial about markets and money. The other half is me just trying to start an argument. So just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> you were that guy at school, weren't yes, you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, was, I was absolutely that guy at school. <laughs> Teacher said something, I would answer and then point to the guy next
2: mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we'd have gone to school together, we'd have oh, never gotten out alive. We would have never graduated
1: No, that's for sure. It would have been fun, though. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> just trying to just, just checking the market here to see if there's – nothing really changed yet. Uh, just getting close to open. Things are, are, are pointing lower here. Just kind of keep a watch. Again, uh, you know, everything's going to trade kind of wonkish this morning until Jerome Powell drops his speech this afternoon. And then we'll see what the market does from there. Again, everything's going to kind of hinge on his outlook for hiking rates. Is there any – you know What, what the market's going to be looking for, is there any change to his tonality in terms of potentially slowing the pace of rate hikes? And let, let me just reiterate one thing for you real quick. A pivot is not stopping rate hikes. A pivot is not pausing rate hikes. That's going to happen, right? The Fed is going to stop. A, A, the Fed is going to slow the pace of rate hikes. And they are going to stop at some point. That is not a pivot. A pivot is cutting rates (coughs) and going back to QE. The market keeps hoping for this idea that the Fed will slow the pace of rate hikes or stop rate hikes, and that's being a pivot. That's not a pivot. Monetary policy is tighter, (coughs) excuse me, and will continue to get tighter as they continue rate hikes even if they slow the pace they are still tightening monetary policy that will impact and slow economic activity so just keep that in mind outside of that um nfib uh, reports this morning as well and of course that is the measure of small business sentiment and and really that drives about 50 percent of the economy so it's very important And that prior number was 91.9. That was when you're below basically about 95, you're already in recession territory. That number came in this morning at 89.8. So you are getting well into recessionary territory. CapEx spendings continue to decline. Hiring continues to decline. Wages are still a problem. Labor costs are some of the biggest problems. Uh, The one thing we haven't seen tick up yet, but I suspect it's coming, is poor sales. And every now and then I do an article on our website. I may have to uh, I'll review the numbers today and see if it's worth writing an update. But um, the NFIB is a very good recessionary indicator. We don't pay enough attention to it, but it's such a large chunk of the economy. It tells you a lot about what's going on. So the NFIB report much weaker than expected this morning. Let me take a look at the data um after the show and if it's worth writing an update i will but i suspect we're going to start seeing you know more alarm bells coming from the nfib about where the economy is headed this year all right that wraps up the show for the day um be sure and stick around our before the bell segment oh by the way uh be sure and subscribe we have a new uh, youtube channel called before the bell a lot of people are emailing going hey where's your three minutes on markets and money it's on our before the bell channel it feeds over onto our website as usual at realinvestmentadvice.com but make sure you subscribe uh, to the before the bell channel so that you get notified every morning when we put out before the bell so it's, it's got its own channel now, and uh, so make sure you're subscribed there as well. So you have The Real Investment Show and Before the Bell. Subscribe to both of those and make sure you're notified. All right, thank you very much. We'll see you back here tomorrow in the next edition of The Real Investment Show. Before the Bell, be sure and subscribe coming up next.